Let's get started. Um, so, Mixed Bible Study, uh, there's a couple things I want to point out. First of all, it's great to see everybody. Fantastic, wonderful, love it. Um, on the table are a few things. Uh, hopefully, there'll be only that many tonight. But uh, every week we'll need a Bible. So, whether you bring your own Bible or use one of the Bibles here, fantastic, great, excellent. We will use a hymnal also. If you've got your own, you can bring that with too, or just use the ones that are here. Um, those are the ones that will be our kind of our mainstay. This book right here is also going to be kind of our guide for uh, the next several weeks. It, um, so you guys can take it home. Feel free to take it home. If you would like to contribute, just FYI, come on Sunday and just put it in the offering plate. But uh, people will always ask, how much is it? It's $15. Now, if you were to buy it on Amazon, it's more. I got a discount. So, anyways, so there you go. All right. Um, but you won't need to bring this with you. However, there will be some assignments, devotional work. Uh, for you. So, which brings me to this little, nice little bookmark right here. You know, being a pastor doesn't work out. Graphic designer will work. This is a beautiful little thing here. There's two components to our weeks, in, uh, to uh, in between our studies. One component is reading this book, and then the other component is reading the Bible. And since the title of the book is called God's Word, that should, that should make sense. All right, so you can use this bookmark to help you with your reading in the book uh, or, or even in your Bible. All right, the last thing that hopefully is on the table, this is just a handout for tonight. You can take it with you tonight or recycle it, take it home, throw it in your fire, or just keep it on the table. Okay? Excellent. Now, you got the first part of Bible study pretty good. That is fellowship. Um, part of... Our, um, part, so, so part, and you, this will be abundantly clear as we talk about scripture, but part of our purpose for meeting on Thursday nights is uh, there's three purposes, fellowship, study, and prayer. And fellowship is really the opportunity for men to hang out with each other. Some of us old-timers here remember times where there were spaces for men. Now there's not very many spaces for men. And this is it. This, is, this could be our time for hanging out with the guys. Um, to help that, we have some drinks and snacks. I know it's close to dinner, so maybe it's dessert for you. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, anytime, feel free to get up and, and partake, have the libations. Because this also will go with how we understand God's Word, too, which I'll explain in a second. Um, so tonight, because this Sunday and festivities, everything is different. You know, this room is usually not laid out this way. And uh, so we're going to do things. Today will be kind of a, a, an experiment. Um, and then next week will probably be more typical of what we will do. So I just say that as a caveat. All right. Now, I'm going to have to get a drink, actually, before I start. So, uh, But if you could turn into the book, God's Word by John Kleinig, and turn it to the preface, to page 15. Hopefully, it, it, there's uh, uh, extra books lying, if, if uh, they're all taken on your table. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's page 15. My, my Roman numeral's correct. So page 11. There should be a prayer before hearing God's Word. What's an X and a V? That's 15, right? <laughs> Prayer before hearing God's word. Page 15 of the preface, or, or the part without numbers. Isn't always the preface the one that has the Roman numerals? See, this is, uh, this is all part of the study, by the way. You know, learning our Roman numerals. It'll be very helpful for us later. Okay. Um, so as you, uh, as you, if, you read, if you pick up this book and you read this book, uh, John Kleinan makes a big deal about this, and actually we'll talk more in-depthly next week about the role of prayer and studying God's Word. But 
We're going to just do it tonight, and I would encourage everybody before you, um, you know, if you're doing this already, fantastic. If not, this is your opportunity to begin studying God's Word and uh, having a mechanism in how to do it. One of them is just like, Pastor, I don't know, I don't know how to do it. What do I do? So we're going to actually be learning about that uh, over the next several weeks. But this is one component of it, is prayer. And if you just take a look, you can just flip it over. It's very short. And for tonight, I am simply going to read uh, on top of page 16, the promises of Jesus. But for this next week, uh, you're going to read Isaiah 55. 1 through 12, and that, that should be on the bookmark right there. And I mean you actually are going to read the same scripture passage. That is your one scripture passage. So whether you take the full week to read, you know, seven words each day, or you read it multiple times during the week, but that's where you would read the Bible where it says the promises of Jesus. All right. Excellent. All right, so let's, let's, okay, so the parts are, I'm going to lead it tonight, but I won't be the only one leading. If anybody would like to lead it, this is devotional work, so it's not like I'm, you're not like overstepping the bounds of the office of the holy ministry, I'm just telling you, this is not a, because you're going to do it at home. People normally think, because I'm here, I have to be the leader. It's, it's okay, it's normal, but I'll just do it tonight, just so that we can. And then, um, if anybody would like to lead it next week, let me know after class. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on a level path. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus also says, When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. John 16, 13, and 14. Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before each watch of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. I rejoice in your word, like one who finds great treasure. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by patience and comfort of your holy word, 
we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This is my only comfort in my trouble, for your word has given me life. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, great. So our first study, over the next year, we'll have different units, and our first unit is on, on God's Word. But it's not on God's Word as, you know, is the Bible, uh, you know, historically accurate, and is it reliable? Yeah, I mean, all that stuff, we're not going to do that. We're, we're, we're going to take a look, and, and, and by the way, Lutheran Brotherhood, I mean, um, the Lutheran Hour Ministries, um, Paul Meyer, he's got a lot of nice... So if you go on their website, and if you're interested in that, which I am, but I mean, that's not what our study is going to be about. Our study is going to be about not learning about uh, academic or cognitive questions. We're not, going to, we're not going to learn about the Bible in that sense. We're going to learn about the Bible as a devotional and, and, and a tool to interact with Jesus. And that's not a false antithesis. I'm just saying that the second one is our primary goal which will be, our goal will be learning to pray God's word. Okay, so, which might sound unusual, but it shouldn't be. Okay, so, uh, John Kleinig does a great job of helping us with that. So when, I, when we want to think about God's word, we want to think of Isaiah 55, uh, 1 through 3. And I, we just, I picked this because it's in the Bible. I mean, it's in the book. Uh, John Kleinig does a good job of it, but it was already in our prayers. How we understand God's word, not as a word that's spoken in a courtroom or even in a classroom. So let's, let's just take a look at this. You're welcome to turn in your Bibles if you can't read this. Um, so Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money or without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So in this Bible passage, uh, God's word and feasting are connected. So this is how we want to understand. This is uh, the next, uh, each week we'll have somewhat of an emphasis as we understand God's word. But this week we want to understand God's word in terms of feasting. Because the beginning of this passage is all about, you know, food and satisfying your desires. And what God does, or the prophet Isaiah does in, in Isaiah 55 here, is that what actually satisfies you is the word coming out of God's mouth. And when you receive it, that is like a rich banquet. Um, now, of course, this is going to be part of our task tonight, is understanding that when we read God's word, we have to understand it like a feast. So how do you, how do you feast? How do you feast? How, how do people feast? I have uh, a boy, I have, you know, four children, and when we have a nice meal, they all do something different at, their, at the meal. One inhales it, one takes three times as long as the other, others. Uh, one is, um, leaves a little bit on the plate, and then uh, it takes a lot of convincing to, to finish it. And then the other one um, is just, I would say, pretty, just pretty normal, pretty regular. So they all have different ways of feasting, okay? So, but how, how do you feast? I mean, this is something that uh, you don't, might not think about, but we have to uh, think about it because that's how we are going to approach God's Word. So, what are some things you don't do when you feast? David. You don't do Wallace. I was going to say you need someone to provide the food, someone to cook the food, and the people to eat the food. 
Okay, great. So the first two, obviously God provides it, right? Excellent. In fact, it's good food. That's a presumption. Need someone to cook it, someone to prepare it, someone to get it, someone to prepare it, and then someone to eat it. And the eating part is the important part that I want to have you guys, everyone to think about as we read God's word. Because when you go to a feast, you, 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 you first of all, you just you participate it. You just, you, you, you sit down, you put, you know, put your napkin on your, or on your lap, or however you feel comfortable doing with your napkin, and then you eat, but you eat in a way that you savor it. This is the best way. This is where uh, my, you know, one of my children, who will name, will remain nameless, inhales the food. I, I mean, it just boom, 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 boom. And I always ask, did you enjoy it? And they're like, yeah. Okay, what did it taste like? I don't know. It was good. Okay, well, they enjoyed it. I don't know if they really savored it. But, so this is something as, as we approach God's word, we need to understand that it's feasting, but it's fe- feasting in a particular way. Because if you, you know, you have, it has, your, God's word has to be tasted, has to be savored and enjoyed. Because, um, and here's the thing. Here's some M&M's. Anybody like chocolate? I mean, this is, okay. This is important. These M&M's are about the same, same size as your pills, probably, for some of us who have to take pills, right? And, but you don't eat your M&M like you take your pills, right? Your pills you swallow. And if you were to swallow this bag of M&M's, people would think you're weird. In fact, they would say, that, that is not the way you should eat M&M's. You should chew them. Now, here's the thing. They're not very complex. The chocolate is not that complex. But, you know, you at least chew them. You taste them, and then you swallow them. You don't just swallow them. All right, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to do it, because I enjoy chocolate. This is how Martin Luther teaches people to read God's word. Now, he didn't have an M&M's back then, but he had uh, the image of a cow chewing its cud. Anybody grew up on a farm? Pastor Nelson's the only one that has cows? Wow. Okay, so my great-grandfather came from Norway and started the dairy farm, the Nelson Dairy Farm. Unfortunately, my uncle sold it uh, 10 years ago because no one was going to take it over. It was devastated, actually. Uh, you know, if God didn't call me here, I, I probably would have been a dairy farmer. And then I probably would have quit because it's very hard work. And But, okay, so, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, growing up on the farm, you always see the cows, the Holsteins, chewing their cud. Now, do you guys understand what this means? Cows have a, they're ruminant animals, which means they ruminate their food. They, they eat it, it goes into their initial stomach, and then they, they bring it back up, and then they chew it some more, and then they swallow it, and, and you know, become, becomes methane gas. But this is the image that Martin Luther talks about when you read God's Word. That is the primary image for him, is that when you read God's Word, you read it slowly, you savor it, you chew on it, you spend time with it, you don't rush it. And this is also another thing about the feast, is when you're at a really great dinner, a great feast, you do not rush it. You bask in it. You, you take your time with it. You don't want to, to have it be done. Luther even goes so far as when he's, he's kind of meditating on God's word, and that, that's something that we'll learn to do, meditate, now that's, that's a funny word for a lot of Christians, but um, Luther will, there's a great stories where he will say, um, if you're reading God's word, and, there, and the Holy Spirit just picks out one word from the Bible verse, the passage. He says, you must stop, even though the reading is longer or whatever. You know, if you take a look at your bookmark, I think I have you read kind of average about three chapters a week starting the, the next week. 
Uh, it's okay if you say, Pastor, I only got past, you know, two words. I'll, I'll take that as a, a compliment that you are learning to meditate on God's word. Because Luther will say, he actually says that one word from the Holy Spirit is better than 10,000 from, uh, from a preacher. And so this is something that we have to slow down. You have to be quiet. You have to pay attention. And then you have to savor it. Sometimes you have to wrestle with it. And then that is, that's the key moment when you are, uh, when, you, when you're like actually wrestling with God's word. We'll use a different image rather than wrestling next week. But, um, okay. But the thing is, though, is what, what is God's word talking about? Or what is it about? So again, I'm building the case for becoming a graphic designer after. All right, so the top part, let me explain this in case it's hard to understand. You have Father, Son, Holy Spirit up there. The arrows are uh, the talking. So Genesis 1 one through two, you don't, you're welcome to turn to it, but I'm going to assume that maybe you guys have, you know what that is. In the beginning was, the, uh, in, in the beginning, uh, God said, let there be light, and there was light. In fact, how is creation made? With word, God, God's word. God spoke, and it's there. Okay, so it's life-giving. And you're going to, but it's not just life-giving. John 6, 68 is when Peter confesses to... So Jesus confesses, hey, if you don't... Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you, have no, you won't have eternal life in you. And then a lot of his disciples left. But, and then he turns to the twelve and say, are you going to go too? And then Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And the word life... It's the same in both. I know we understand life differently, you know, creation and redemption, but from God's perspective, God is going to speak life even if it kills him. And of course, it does, right? So what has God been speaking? What is God's word about? It is about life. Okay? It's about eternal life. It's about our, it's about our life now. Of course, being baptized, you have been resurrected, which means you are participating in eternal life now even. Okay. So, God speaks, and it's happened. All right. Now, this means, then, how we understand words is different than how, like when we go to school and we hear words. All right. John 1. You're, I mean, you're welcome to turn to it if you want. But John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay. So this Word is not just a sound. Right? This is important for us. When it comes to words, it's a thing. It's tangible. We can, we can grasp it. And then a little bit later in John chapter 1, of course, verse 14, which, you know, we, we probably all know this, and the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, so, so the word um, isn't just a sound, but the word is life. Okay? And in this book, you'll, you'll read it, uh, John Kleinick has a real nice thing he says. By his Son, God the Father spoke to people not just in human words, but also in the idiom of a human life. All right, so God speaks life, meaning he creates life, but also God speaks a life. And back to John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So God's word is life, and it is a particular life meaning it is Jesus himself. So we must understand that this, this is not primarily a book, but this is God speaking. This is Jesus speaking. So the Bible is not just about God, but it's God speaking in human words. 
that's sourced in a human mouth. Okay, so you got to think about that. So, so Jesus is authoritative when it comes to Holy Scripture. And that's important for us. And um, there's a little bit of an excursus here. Um, pull this big up, big piece of paper out here. So this is written by Hermann Sasse, or Sasse. He's a, he was a German Lutheran theologian, middle 20th century. Uh, and he ended up uh, leaving Germany and going to Australia. But he had um, a lot of great interactions with the Missouri Senate. Uh, but as we understand God's word, I want to make this primary distinction right now is that uh, Lutherans have a a pretty interesting distinction of how we understand God's word. Now, it's a very long quote, and I encourage everyone to read it. Uh, I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the highlighted part. But Sasa goes on the offensive to, because he sees something happening in the Missouri Senate that he finds a little bit distressing. And what he sees in the Missouri Senate is uh, unLutheran things kind of taking on Lutheran forms. So they just kind of look Lutheran but aren't quite Lutheran. And the primary thing is that he's taking on is this understanding of what Holy Scripture is. And from a, a logical perspective, unfortunately, there is this line of thinking that actually puts the Bible above Jesus rather than Jesus above the Bible. Now you might be like, whoa, what are you talking about? So, let's read the highlighted part. The faith of the Lutheran Church in the Scripture is based on her faith in Christ. So Christ first. It is basically faith in Christ, because the Bible, and this is true of the whole Bible, is testimony concerning Christ. Our faith in the Bible as the infallible Word of God is therefore an entirely different faith from the faith of fundamentalism in the Bible, which at least logically and factually precedes faith in Christ. All right, that might be too, that might be too heady, but think about it this way. Just picture this, is that we think of God's Word coming out of Jesus' mouth, which means it's first sourced in this person, in the God-man, Jesus in the second person of the Trinity. What, he is, what he's countering is that, and you hear this a lot even in a lot of people's questions, is that I won't believe in Jesus until I know the Bible is this. You know, it, it's got no errors or, or whatever. And while those are good questions to ask, and you should answer those questions, the Bible has no errors, by the way, um, it's that that's not primary to our faith in Jesus. The faith, faith in Jesus comes first, and without faith, we actually can't even understand the Bible. And we'll see that next week explicitly. But we need to make sure that as we study God's Word, we, again, we're having this image of this isn't deductions now, but this is the means in which God is creating faith. This is the means in which Christ is actually speaking to us. So this is a whole different thing, is that when you spend time reading your Bible, you're not reading a book, but you're hearing God speak, which hopefully changes the character of how we understand reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Hopefully it becomes a lot more interesting. I'll tell you a little side note, a little, little story. Uh, I can't remember. If, I tell this story in, with the, the younger kids quite a bit. Is... Um, Two years after I became pastor here at St. John, I went to a Lombard North football game because there was a St. John kid who was on the football team up there, and we went to go see him and support him. And while at halftime, Holly and I, we went to get a hot chocolate. It was late October. It was cool out. And there was a young man who was in confirmation at that time who lived up in Carroll Stream and was at the game and said, hey, Pastor Nelson, what's going on? I was like, hey, Tim, how you doing? And he had all his friends there. He's like, hey, guys, this is my pastor, Pastor Nelson. And one of the kids said, what's a pastor? And Tim's like, what do you mean? You don't, you don't know what a pastor is? And I was like, Tim, take it easy. 
I was like, uh, I, I mainly speak God's word. He looked at me like, you talk to God? I'm like, yeah, I talk to God I talk all the time. He's like, what does he sound like? I mean, he's, he is completely like enraptured now. Where before they were screwing around, you know, waiting in to get their concessions to. And but now he's kind of like, what do you, what? I said, oh yeah, yeah, you should just come to church with him because he sounds just like me. Sounds like, you know, just like he's just a regular guy talking. He's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you mean he doesn't like a, like a big loud voice, deep, like booming voice? I was like, no, man, no, no, it's, he is easy to understand. And he's like, really? I said, yeah, he uses human words, words that you can understand, just, just like me talking. He's like, what? He was dumbfounded, could not believe it. Now, here's the thing, that, that might be an extreme version, but a lot of us have that same tendency to understand that we think God's word is this booming voice coming out of heaven, but Jesus always works in a hidden way, but in that hidden way, it's, it's very it's simple, like to you, in a way that you, you can't miss it unless you're trying to avoid it. And we'll, we'll maybe discuss that later, but... Um, so the important thing is, is that as we read God's word, we must understand that it's primarily Jesus talking to us and that um, the, the only way that we can actually then really receive out of it is if we understand that. So, okay, so with that said then, as God speaks to us through the human voice of Jesus, God, fully human, fully divine, Jesus and these words that we can all read, I mean, you know, 95% of them, there's some other propitiation is a word you might have to look up in the dictionary to figure out what that means, but most of them we can understand. Um, when Jesus speaks to us, he's speaking to us in a way that we should be able to understand. He wants us to understand, which means then that conversation no longer becomes something just for your brain, but for your, your body, for your life. All right, so the destination of, your, of God's word is actually in your body. So we simply don't hear it, we actually enact it. So turn into Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 through 2, or 1 through 12. And I know it's kind of a long section, but, um, well, there's a lot there. Page 151, by the way, in my Bible. Do we have the same Bible? 151 for you? Okay. 192 in the large Oh, 192 in the large print. Okay. For those who have the King James Version, it might be a little bit different, too. Right, Don? Don's got, he's got the King James Version over there. Okay. Now, this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. All right, so when we hear the word statutes and commandments and rules, we think something foreign to us. Ah. You know, because uh, uh, being a high school, I used to be a high school teacher, and I, I hated the rules of the high school. Almost all of them, not, not all of them. But a lot of them I commiserated with my students about like, ugh. That's why I became a high school teacher, because I thought it was going to be like, hey, students, I'm one of you guys. You can trust me, you know, I'm not, I'm not, but they don't. Once you're a teacher, you're one of them, no matter, no matter what. It's terrible. Anyways, uh, you know, the school has a lot of rules, right? You, 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 know, you can't chew gum. You, well, I guess you probably can now. And you can, but there's all these rules that are kind of like foreign to us. 
Like they aren't, they aren't, they don't, they don't necessarily like make sense or fit in our normal life. It's just that we have to do that it's in this particular time. But once we're out of school, oh, we're free of that. Unshackled. Okay, but that's not how God uses the word rules, statutes, and commandments. When these rules, these are Old Testament words, which are more akin to, uh, these are my words. These are the things that will uh, describe your life. And that's why he says, in verse 3, I'm sorry, so verse, verse 2, uh, that your days may be long. Okay, he's talking about there's something life-giving in these things. Okay. Verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So again, God is saying these things. He's describing a life now. What's this life look like? Well, abundance. A land flowing with milk and honey. So these words are the end result of these words now are in this life that he has promised in a land full of milk and honey. Okay. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. So this is the famous Shema. The Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall bind be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Okay, so how, how, does, how does this... So the last couple verses are grace, right? You get all this stuff, you didn't do anything, but God's going to give this to you. He's going to give you this land. And what happens, so he, he, he wants you to remember these lest you forget. And what happens when you forget what God said? Well, it's the opposite of what this is. When you remember God's word, or when you live in sync with God's word, abundance happens. But when you live out of sync with God's word, then you forget who brought you out of the land of Egypt, or you forget who saved you, and you go back to Egypt, which means you become enslaved to sin or, you know, whatever sin it is. So this is important as, as we hear God's word. So in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, when you hear the word hear, it's not actually a mental exercise. It's a bodily exercise. Because hearing and living a life go together. Or hearing and obedience. Okay, this is how we talk with our kids, though. I told my kids, please clean up this happened the other night. Have outdoor furniture, patio furniture, right? We leave, we got the pillows. Hey, when you come in, put the pillows away, which means put them in the garage, right? Okay. You know, it rained, it's been raining, right? So come out in the morning, let my chickens out, and guess what's still on the patio furniture? The pillows. So what do I say to them? Didn't you hear me? Well, of course they heard me. That's not, that's not what I really want them to do. I just don't want them to hear me. I want them to actually do it. I want them to live it or obey. Again, that's mainly under the law. <laughs> but when Jesus says it, it's life-giving. It's something that is, is enriching and abundant. But usually when I say it, it's dad just being mean. 
So, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this then plays out through all of God's scripture, we just don't simply retain God's word, we participate in it. Again, so, as we read the Bible, um, we are, again, the end result is not just interesting thoughts or interesting points, but it's a changed heart, and that is precisely in, I'm going to have to wear my glasses next time. It's pretty bad. Verse 6, and these words uh, that I command you today shall be on your heart. So it comes from within. Again, these statutes and commandments and rules that God's talking about, those aren't uh, foreign to us, and we're not compelled upon them. They actually enter into us and then come out of us. That's a gospel way of understanding than a life that God wants for you. Okay, so how does this happen? It's because the Holy Spirit actually creates space in you by God's Word. And we'll talk about this next week more, but just to give you an idea, is that so the Holy Spirit is freighted in God's Word. And we see this explicitly in John chapter 3. So go ahead and turn to John chapter 3, uh, verse 8. John chapter 3 is when Nicodemus uh, meets Jesus at nighttime. And Jesus talks about, uh, you know, baptism and how you enter into salvation through baptism, the the water and the spirit. But in verse 8, Jesus then says uh, something kind of unusual. Well, again, it's very easy to understand. I mean, you can understand the words. You can hear the words. But like my children, I don't want you just to hear these words. I want you actually to receive them and live them. So in verse 8, now Jesus also, I feel bad for Nicodemus, because Jesus uses words that can be understood in two ways. And in verse 8, it's often translated, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. Okay. But that word wind can also mean what? And if you have, I think there's a little footnote in there, right? Spirit. Okay. The spirit blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. Okay, what is Nicodemus hearing when Jesus is talking? He's hearing the spirit, but where is the spirit freighted? It's in Jesus' mouth. The, the spirit blows where it is and you hear it. Meaning, the words coming out of my mouth, you hear right now, Nicodemus. That is the spirit blowing on you. But Nicodemus doesn't hear the word spirit, does he? He, he just hears the wind. They hear wind. But you know where it comes from. But you do not know where it comes from. Meaning, he does not know where the spirit comes from because he doesn't have faith yet. Now, of course, if you know Nicodemus... By the end of the gospel, right, he comes around. Praise be to God. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And the word born could also be translated as begotten. Oops. Um, what's the difference between being born and being begotten? Does anyone know that, by the way? It's a tangent. You're begotten. You are like the same. You're the uh, but no, this is actually, yes, but of which parent? Father. father. So you're begotten from your father, you're born of your mother. And so Jesus actually in this whole section, which is why we want to savor the, God's word. You spend a long time on this whole, like, first ten verses. Jesus is actually talking about being begotten from above by the Spirit, by the seed of the Father. And Nicodemus is thinking, he's talking about being born again from a mother. But it's the same words. Begotten from above and born again are the same Greek words. Which is kind of interesting. Why does Nicodemus not understand, even though he hears the same words? So he has no faith. We'll see this actually next week when we, talk, we take a look at Mark chapter 2 and the healing of the paralytic. It's a little less, it's a little even more um, blatant 
I mean, here you can give Nicodemus a break because you're like, hey, it could be understood either way, right? But the whole point, though, in verse 8 is that, is that the, when, when you hear Jesus' word, you actually are, you, you are hearing the Spirit. So when Jesus speaks, you, this is the means in which the Spirit is given. And this is also somewhat of a Lutheran distinction, is that the Spirit never comes to you without means. So the Spirit comes to you in baptism, in the Lord's Supper, and then in the, the God's Word, the, the reading of God's Word, the preaching of God's Word. Um, but that doesn't mean we always know where it comes from, like Nicodemus. We'll talk about faith next week. But that's really important for us. Again, if we believe that the Spirit is being given to us through God's Word, as we read God's Word, then hopefully that changes our whole mentality and our desire then for understanding and studying God's Word. So the end result of God's Word is your body and a life lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and how that happens is the Holy Spirit comes in and makes room for the Holy Spirit, makes room for the life that God would have for you. And um, we're not going to, because we're running out of time here, and i got to move quick. Uh, th- that would be in John chapter 8, 15. Those are good ones. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try savoring God's word. Oh, uh, we'll worry about that. This guy right here, we're going to spend a lot of time with Johann Gerhard Hamann. Probably, Andrew, this is your favorite author. I'm sure you... I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I understand. Uh, he's, he, okay, so if you're interested in philosophy, by the way, he's probably the greatest Lutheran philo- philosophical mind. It's fantastic. You should look him up. But he uh, has a great, a lot of interesting things about God's Word, but he just reiterates what I just said. So we'll just skip that part. Because we want to get to Proverbs 26. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 26. Okay. We've already prayed for the Holy Spirit earlier. Now we want to meditate on this word. And so this is going to be part of our men's Bible study. Tonight, again, everything is just a little bit, because uh, we've got to kind of work out the, the kinks a little bit. But every Bible study, we're going to have this feasting, and we're going to uh, do a little practice of how approaching God's word. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read God's word, and I'm like, I don't know what in the world this says. You know, when Zipporah and Moses and his kids are traveling back to Israel, and Zipporah has to circumcise his kid, her kid and then puts the foreskin on the foot of Moses, and now you're a bride, bridegroom of blood. I'm like, what? I don't even know what that means. I'm not the only one, by the way. I, mean, I got my theories, but man, whew, that's weird. But that makes it exciting. Oh my gosh, right? Like if I if I knew everything in the Bible, I'd be I'd be bored with it. Um, but I don't. So uh, Proverbs twenty six seven. Uh, well, it's a short little verse, isn't it? Now I have a Hebrew translation here, so I think. But legs dangle from a lame man. And a proverb in the mouth of fools. That's what it literally says. But what does it say in uh, the ESV? You may want to read it real nice and loud, David. Yeah, you're there. Like a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Okay. All right, so as we study God's Word, there's two things we want to do. We want to either paint a picture or create a movie in our brain. This one's painting a picture. Okay? It might be kind of a weird picture because the dangling legs. However, as we read it, and you can read amongst your tables, you want to ask just a couple questions of the passage. What are the parallels? I mean, what, 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 what's the parallels between these two things? We have two things, right, held in connection to one another. Um, the, uh, here, maybe I can, oh, I have it right here. The comparison between the fool and the crippled is stated but left unexplained. We must work out its meaning and application by drawing on our previous knowledge and experience. This is where it's really important for us. I mean, I don't know. You might not know a lame man. 
you might have to imagine it, but you also might know a lame man, and you can understand what that means. And then some of you might know what a proverb is. I'm assuming you do. I do this with the kids, by the way. Same exercise. And they always ask me what a proverb is. Um, every now and then I'll, I'll get a uh, question about what a fool is. Okay. So, I want you to... At your table, I'm going to give you... Oh, let's give, let's give you five minutes. It's only one verse. Ask questions. What are the parallels between dangling leg, legs and fools with par proverbs? Um, I don't know about this, but I always ask, what is odd, the passage? Is it supposed to be there? There's a variety of things. We'll do this more exercise next week. Uh, ask yourself, we're going to figure out what this means. We're savoring God's word right now. We're spending time with one verse, tasting it, figuring out its texture, its flavors, its, uh, what is it, what's the wine thing, terra, terra, terro? Did anyone drink wine around here? No? Never mind. Okay, never mind. <laughs> terro, like, you know, when you drink wine, you're like, mm, oh, this is from, like, the region of Provence. See, Maurice, you would know it. Thank you. We're, this is what we're doing with God's Word. Okay? We're gonna, we, we should all have a glass of wine in our mouth. I mean, at our table. And take a little swig. And maybe, maybe not. I don't know. All right. Go ahead. Let's, uh, let's figure out what this means. I'll give you five minutes. And then we're going to come out. And I'm going to see what you guys think it is. All right. All right. All right. Here, let's... Uh, all right. So, here, listen. Great. This is awesome. All right, hopefully, you guys were talking about the Bible in savoring the Bible, but we had one real short verse, and, you know, it created a lot of discussion, except for the ones back here who knew everything, so. <laughs> okay, so, um, let's start over here. What, is this, what does this Bible verse mean? I don't know what it means. It's weird. What did you guys come up with over here? Okay. All right. Anybody else add to that? Add a little color, a little difference? Disagree? Ken? Well, yeah, I guess you get a sense that uh, on either side it's involuntary. The lame man can't use this useless leg. It's not his choice. Great. And I think what it's saying is that a fool can't understand the problem the same way unless, he, unless they have external help. Okay, great. Something has to be fixed before. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Good, good, good. Now, both of, both of you guys hint on motivation. That's interesting. Or, or kind of the interior. Uh, so I would even like go before that a little bit. So, like, what are legs meant to do? Again, we have to think about like, oh, this is, so this is also part of like spending time in Bible study in general. Uh, when we think about legs, we have to first kind of imagine ourselves in the ancient Near East. Legs were very important. But what did legs mainly do? Work. Work. Provide locomotion. Locomotion, yeah. They, they take it places. You know, we drive everywhere. You know, I mean, I guess I use my leg when I do this with my foot, right? But back in those days, legs are meant to take you where you need to go. So, so, a, so this is the thing. If legs are meant to take me somewhere, then Proverbs are meant to take me somewhere. So this is the part where you have to understand the parallels and the connections. And um, so in a sense, Proverbs are like feet for your heart and mind to go you from some place to another place. Um, now, again... Does a lame man have use with or for his legs? No. So to a fool. A fool can't use a proverb properly. Something has to change. It's like a layman. Something has to change drastically. Anything else that people... I've got a few other things, so... Mr. Zeller. So a lame man can't use his legs to move, right, or, or to serve anybody else. Can a fool 
gain anything from it and someone else who hears it benefit from it? Ooh, that's interesting. Well, uh, yeah, why not? I don't know. Let's see that. that sounds interesting. See, we should spend a little time with that. Let that uh, roll around in our mouths like the cud of the cow. Uh, Although it might have the worst effect. I mean, uh, if there's somebody you consider to be a fool and you hear a proverb from it, you might disregard that proverb because it came to you a fool. That's right. Okay, so this is good. This is great. Actually, these are all, I think, real valid. The one thing, though, too, the one thing about the proverb, though, and this is, this is kind of how we maybe, we think of proverbs maybe like riddles or like kind of fun things. Back in the old days, proverbs were, like, you would sit at the feet of a wise person and hear a proverb. So a proverb is actually not meant for the mouth. This is part of, this is kind of the interesting thing about the fool only, and this is kind of along what you guys are saying, though, the fool speaks proverbs primarily, but doesn't actually integrate or live them. So that goes then to what, what Bob just said, was when a fool speaks a proverb, it could be true, however, the fool speaks it, and so it take, that's, that's difficult then to believe or, or understand. So there's this connection between the word and the body in this text. And that's kind of why I use that, is to highlight the fact that, uh, not to get on a tangent now, because we're <laughs> done, um, is in Proverbs, there's, there's lady wisdom. Wisdom is a female in the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 8. And so... Um, there's this, there's this like, embodiment of wisdom, or the embodiment of Proverbs. And you get to see this now in the negative, where a person who has no, or can't use their legs is like a proverb on the mouth of a fool. It's not just because he's a fool, it's because it's on its mouth and not in his body or in his life. And, or in his heart, is how, you know, biblically we would say that. Okay, great. See, this is kind of a fun exercise. I think it's fun. I always, I always like to study God's Word and kind of explore and taste it a little bit. Um, so I've learned that I talk too much. It's 8 o'clock. Uh, so we're, we're going we're gonna to actually we're gonna wrap this up and then we're going to say a prayer. I really would like for us to sing Evening Prayer, which is a page 243 in your hymnals. We're not going to do it tonight because I'm not going gonna, stick, to stick to our time. Um, however, if anybody would like to um, leave evening prayer, uh, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I do it all the time with our kids, but um, feel free, we can, we can split that. So hang around afterwards and ask me if, if you uh, would like to do that. We'll make sure we end at 7.50 for 10 minutes of evening prayer, because it doesn't take very long to get through. Okay, so let's just finish this up then. Um, Okay, so the proof of God's word comes from our reliance on them for our salvation and protection from spiritual attack. This is just something that is, you know, the idea of our life. Like, we, so just like when my children hear me to take the, the pillows in, and they do it, I know they heard me. The word has been into their life and actually changes their life. Again, that's under the law and under the gospel. But when God speaks, it's not just meant for our brains, but it's meant for our life. And so this is part of the process that we are going to be taking for the next, all the way to the end of October, of understanding, first of all, of like understanding God's word as a devotional text, as a, as a, a, a way of um, study and prayerfully considering, and then hopefully then impacting our holy lives. So... Um, this week, you got two responsibilities. They're on the bookmark. Read the first six chapters, which is like, whoa, that seems like a lot. It's like 30 pages. It's not very much. Um, I don't know, maybe 50 pages. It's, it's a small book. And, and then meditate on Isaiah 55, 1 through 13. When I say meditate, meaning you read it. You just do it tonight. You ask questions of it. You say, uh, you know, what's a feast? I'm listening to God, but I'm eating. 
Uh, God's word never returns void. His word is above my, his thoughts are above my thoughts. These are all in chapter 55. And you want to you just kind of uh, enjoy it, savor it. Because next week we're going to see what you, you know, for those who would like to, can share that. All right. So one last thing then is to, um, we won't get this tonight, but next week as you guys come, uh, we'll have a better attendance sheet. But also I want to start taking prayer requests from you guys. So it will be like this, but it will be blank and it'll just say prayer requests. And we'll have it out on the um, counter, okay? And you just go ahead and write a prayer request and we will pray for it at the end. And since we don't have any prayer requests now, I'm going to finish tonight with prayer. But before we do that, David, do you have Isaiah 55? Mm -hmm. um, David's going to read Isaiah 55, and then we're going to pray. All right. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the water. And he who has no money, come by eat. Come by wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy, and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, the Holy One of God, continue to speak to our hearts, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, create faith that we might rejoice in your good gifts and joyfully live the life that you would have for us, a holy life that speaks to your abundance and grace, your mercy and your compassion. Send and strengthen the Holy Spirit in each one of these men that this week, as they begin to meditate upon your word, that they might grow in their knowledge and love of your word, that they might be enlivened to live that holy life that you would have for them as fathers, as sons, as brothers. Lord Jesus, also uh, watch over all those who uh, need your care and compassion tonight. Protect your holy church, especially as now uh, this Sunday things will uh, change but not your leadership. Bless also just the Holy Spirit amongst all St. John parishioners, that they might uh, rejoice in your good gifts and faithfully follow you. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
All right, thank you very much. Take a book. Uh, again, if you want to pay for it, 15 bucks, th throw it in the offering plate. This is part of tithing. If you guys would like to um, do a couple things for me, though, take your Bibles and your hymnals and put them in the bookshelves if you could. And then um, if you guys want to help out with evening prayer, please see me afterwards. That would be fantastic.